Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And so, Lord, we praise you with our lips, and we praise you with our lives. May we be wholly yours. Open up your word to us, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a word of clarification. 40 years to be a minister doesn't mean I know what I'm doing. I don't. (laughs) 40 years to get around and beyond any illusions that I know what I'm doing. I've shared with several people along the way that I went to Princeton Seminary, going in there terrified because that was the seminary that was responsible for training some of the best preachers of the 20th century. I went out terrified, and now I'm terrified every single week. (laughs) And I guess that's the way it's supposed to be. And that is that, that as we come to the word, it is a, it's a high calling, a holy calling. And one that I and others who do what I do are, none of us are worthy but we simply do our best to be faithful to, this, to the high calling that, that this is. I uh, have a, a relatively long passage this morning. We're preaching on your will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. That's the third petition of the Lord's Prayer. And with that, I am coming upon a rather perhaps a surprising passage to share with you to illustrate that from the 10th chapter of Matthew. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear testimony before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you up, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver up brother to death and father his child and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures till the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all of the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Is it enough? It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, utter in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim upon the housetops, and do not fear those who will kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. 
Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul. And, and can destroy both body and soul and in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's will. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes will be those of his own household. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet because he is a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man because he is righteous, a righteous man, shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. Item, 1933, Berlin. In the sports arena, packed with churches. It was declared that the removal of all pastors unsympathetic with national socialism would be implemented called for the removal of the Old Testament from the Bible, the removal of all non-German elements from religious services, the adoption of a more heroic and positive interpretation of Jesus who in pro-Aryan fashion should be portrayed to be battling mightily against corrupt Jewish influence. And there were cheers and screams of approval among the thousands who were gathered there. And the, these pastors then took swastikas and hung them from their churches. This was an ideological flag, it was not a national flag. The national flag of Germany had been set aside. It was an ideological flag. Item, in response, Karl Barth, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Neomoller, Tilaka, many others, wrote the Barman Declaration. The source of revelation is only the word of God, Jesus Christ. Any other possible sources, earthly powers, for example, will not be accepted. Jesus Christ is the only Lord of all aspects of personal life, there should be no other authority. The message and order of the church 
should not be influenced by current political convictions. And the mainline church of today is being hollowed out because they are being influenced by current political convictions. We don't necessarily have a culture that is is secularizing. We simply have a culture that has no choice anymore between the the churches that have adopted an ideological sort of position and whose pulpit sounds just like what they hear on the news. And, And then churches that are doing their very best to be faithful to the gospel. Item. Josh Alexander, 16-year-old kid, was expelled from his Roman high school up in Ottawa, Canada, because he was protesting that transgender boys were going into the girls' bathrooms. And the school expelled him. This week, He went back to school, and he was arrested. I have just been arrested and charged by my Catholic high school for attending class after being excluded for indicating my intent to adhere to my religious beliefs. 16-year-old boy. There's a picture of him being arrested on the internet. Item, Calvin Robinson. 37 years old. The Christian idea is that we are united, that our identity is in Christ, he says. Doctrinally, critical race theory creates a new kind of original sin where only white people are morally culpable for certain ills. It is not our immutable characteristics that matter Our skin color is irrelevant. And Calvin Robinson was denied ordination in the Church of England. Jesus said, don't think I came to bring peace on earth. Where I go, you go, there will be trouble. The book of Jude calls upon us to contend for the faith. Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write you about the salvation we all share, but now I find find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have to stand and contend for the faith. That means we have to be men and women of backbone and of character. We have to know what our faith is. And yes, it can be embarrassing 
because it doesn't fit the cultural mood. So I grew up in a Christian home and was reared with Christian values. And I remember as a junior in high school, kids were drinking. And I was told not to drink. Dad said if I didn't smoke or drink till I was 25, he'd give me $200. (laughs) So I stood against the social pressure. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I did drive my friends home. And I remember getting pulled over once and my buddy, Neil Elliott, who's right now up in Sarasota, had a quart of beer that he was hiding behind his thigh and I got away with it. But I didn't cave to the pressure. It's not my doing. It's the way I was raised. You don't don't just cave because there's pressure. The Church of Germany caved under the pressure. Those who wrote the Barman Declaration were part of the Confessing Church. Martin Niemöller went to a concentration camp. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was, was martyred. Karl Barth had to leave. But they didn't cave. They stuck to the good news. When Jesus taught us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we've already prayed for thy kingdom come. The kingdom coming is entirely his business. We don't bring in the kingdom. But as far as, as incarnating the will of God in this life and on this earth, That's God working through us. In my case with my high school friends, I would, I would take them even though they'd had too much coming out of the pizza parlor, take them up to the top of Canyon Crest and overlook the the beautiful scenery of Riverside and, and beyond in Southern California. And I took it as an opportunity to share the gospel of Christ with them. And that wasn't because of me. That was because of my upbringing and because I was told what was right and what was wrong. And I lived with that that reality. And I wanted to do what was right and not what was wrong. And I wanted to honor my father and my mother. I did drink when I was 21. I didn't make it to 25. I never got my $200. (laughs) Dad smoked a pipe and a cigar, and so I decided I would decide to, I would smoke every now and then a pipe or a cigar. But I was following his example. And he was following the prompting of the faith in his life. And so it was that, that I, was able to have a witness as a, just as a kid and stand on behalf of, of our faith. 
And we live in a time in which the church has often been vilified for being too meek and mild, too monkish. And then it depends on who you talk to, but then the church has got to be attacked for, for waging the, the, the campaigns to the Holy Land, the Crusades. And the church is going to be attacked for causing all the wars on the planet. Which is it? Is the church too meek and mild? Is the church too violent? It was that insight that caused, among many things, caused G.K. Chesterton to leave atheism and to become a Christian. Because he had men and women around him who spoke the truth and gave him a sense of the complexity and the reality of, of what this church was all about. Can it be both? How can it be both? How can we understand this whole doctrine of God? How can God be Father and Son and Spirit all at the same time? Somehow for Chesterton, if it made no sense, it must be true. If it's beyond our comprehension that we can come up with such understandings of faith, how can it not be true? And so we are to, in our time, in, our, in what ways we might contend for the faith. So I was a bunch of, with a bunch of high school kids up at Forest Home Christian Conference Center in Southern California when I was fresh out of seminary in my first church. And we had about, oh, maybe 30 kids there. And at the end of the camp, one of the kids came up to me and he said, Kurt, would you, would you baptize me? I said, well, don't you want to do it at home? We can do it in church and, you know, the family and friends and everything else. And he said, no, I can't do that. I don't want them to know. Not yet. They wouldn't accept me. And so we went into Lake Mears up at Forest Home, and I baptized him along with a half dozen other kids at the end of that time. Then in my church in Lubbock, Texas, another young man came up to me and he said, Kurt, would you, would you baptize me? And I said, sure. Um, we can do it any Sunday morning you want. We'll, you know, right up front of church and do the whole thing. And even though you're 24 years old, we'll, we'll be happy to. He said, no, I don't want to do that. My parents wouldn't accept me. And so I called the board together, and we had a baptism after church on one Sunday morning. And, and he was so grateful, and he wept. And the Lord somehow moved in his life, but he, he made a decision to not stand against his family, but simply do what the Lord had prompted him to do, despite the consequences. The stories of the early church are full of frightening stories of martyrdom. 
of the martyrs going into the arenas of Rome and singing praise to God before the lions were released. Fox's Book of Martyrs record these in such graphic detail that it's kind of not all that appropriate on a Sunday morning. But the reality is that God's people had such faith in the truth of the gospel, such faith that God had revealed himself in Christ, such faith that the reality of Christ was not their truth, but the truth over which we have no control other than to see it and accept it or to simply follow the spirit of the age. They can go along to get along. And as Lewis reminds us, the only thing going with the flow is that which is dead. Only dead fish go with the flow. And so we can do that. Or we can do what our, what our scriptures instruct, and that is to stand, to stand with the truth, on the side of the truth, not with a set jaw, but with a smile. So Professor Jerry Root of Wheaton College and, and then Talbot Theological Seminary was at Half Moon Bay in California. Magnificent, beautiful place. Yes, beauty in California. Beautiful place. And he and his wife were on a cliff overlooking the water and there were parasailers out there and, and guys being pulled by the wind on, the, on their surfboards on the, on the water. And another couple pulled up and, and, um, and Jerry just made the comment. He said, you know, it is so great to have someone to thank for all of this. And that gentleman replied, well, I'm an atheist. And I, I can prove to you there's no God. And Jerry smiled. And he said, well, can you prove there are no snakes down there? Can you prove there are no scorpions? Can you prove a negative? Can you prove something that is not? And he said, well, you got me there, but give me your email. And they started to go back and forth a little bit. And Jerry sent him a copy of Mere Christianity. And about a month later, he heard from this gentleman that he had a chance meeting with. And he said, you're right. Can't prove a negative. Somehow in the midst of all this, he said, I think I am thankful. I think, I think I'm thankful to God for the beauty in my life. So I asked Jerry, Jerry, in that encounter, what really sank the hook? What really did it? Do you think it was the cogency of your argument or the clarity of C.S. Lewis and mere Christianity? Well, he said, yeah. And I simply said, Jerry, I think it was your love communicated to him.
in ways that were subtle but real, but your care, that he would know the good news of who Jesus is. So when we pray that it would be here on earth as it is in heaven, it's not that our hands are his hands or our feet are his feet. He can use our hands, he can use our feet, but most of the time we use our hands and we use our feet. But God is working nevertheless, using flawed, broken people just like us. And he, he does his work and he brings his will. And it doesn't necessarily participate in anything other than making the reality of Christ visible and known. We live in a highly contentious time. I know of a church up north that is a beautiful cathedral leading church and from their rafters, they are hanging ideological flags. That's wrong. We do not adhere to a current, however popular, ideology, on the left or on the right. The banner under which we march as the church militant is the cross of our Savior Christ. Will you join me in prayer? And dear Lord, like those who've gone before us, they had the courage because you are worthy because you died and rose again, because the ultimate truth of all of life is contained in the reality of your coming to us and gathering us into your presence. Lord God, may we be found faithful. We ask it in Jesus' name. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.